You are listening to the Therefore I Geek podcast. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Therefore I Geek, episode 109. I'm Andrew. I'm Tracy. 109 already? It is 109. That's good shit. Yeah. I should introduce myself, yeah, right? Yeah, who the fuck are you? I'm, I'm the major. Well, you I don't... mean, anybody can be at this point. Yeah, I was like, yeah, you don't you don't look it, though. No, I don't. I only got the boobs, or the lips, or the butt, but I do have the empty, vapid stare. You might have well, the hair. I have a little bit of the hair. I, I can rock blonde. You have very luscious hair. You actually look more like 22579 or whatever, <laughs> the guy one. I was like, okay. I could in, see this, that. in this version, it's 2501. 2501. 2501 in this version, and then in the Japanese one, it's 2571. Oh, okay. So if you guys haven't figured out what we're talking about this week, we are talking about Ghost in the Shell. Then just turn the podcast off if you haven't figured it out by now. Or no, no keep no, it on. Learn no, 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 no. Yes, <laughs> Great. They were, no, they already turned it off it. when you told them to. <laughs> Damn it. They're so obedient, our listeners. It's like those radio commercials that are like, stop what you're doing, unless you're driving. <laughs> right. Uh, before we get into that, though, we're going to talk about Joss Whedon directing Batgirl, and Peter David is asking for our help. Mm-hmm. So, Batgirl. How do you feel about this? I am torn. I really think Joss Whedon would do a good job at directing Batgirl. I think he'd get the character. I think he'd have a good story because he's also supposed to be writing it. My questions here are how much freedom he's going to be given and if we are going to be forced into the Zack Snyder uh, visual style. That's really where my hangups lie because if Joss Whedon's not given the freedom to just do it, I don't really care who's directing it. It's like it's all going to look the same. Sure. Yeah, what's the point? Yeah. Well, for me, I look at it and I'm like, look, if they do give Joss Whedon free reign, we are going to have our hearts ripped out, stomped on, destroyed. (laughs) Everyone we love will die. That's pretty par for the course with him. It will look beautiful. We will love everyone on screen, but then we will be left in a ball of tears and regret at the end. I mean, that's not true. Kaylee didn't die. That's a good point. Kaylee wanted to live. Mostly for sex. (laughs) Mostly for sex. It's the best motivation I've ever had. It's a, it's it's a fair point. Yeah, it's a like, fair uh, point. Goodbye, cruel world. Oh, wait, I have a penis. I can use this tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> That's basically the way it goes. <laughs> you can see, there she is right there. She actually looked at me when I said that. Nice. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, I kind of agree with Tracy, but probably for different reasons. It, really, you you have two Josh Whedons we, we can wind up with. We can have the good Josh Whedon, the one who gave us the first Avengers in Cabin in the Woods, we have the bad Josh Whedon, the one who gave us fucking Firefly and freaking Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Those are the two options we have. With. Hey, hey, now, why do you call as, that the bad Josh Whedon? Because that's the television humor Josh Whedon that has the, Joss. the faux, whatever, the faux, snippy, non-funny, non-comedy comedy dialogue. That, it's called Buffy speak. Which made me want to strangle myself with my own ponytail. Oh, like, see, I love it. I can't stand that style. Now, he cleaned it up as he got older and as he developed as a writer. So he's surprised me the last few times. I am forced to tell you that, you know, Cabin in the Woods and the first Avengers movie were pretty tight. But there's... Did you ever watch Dollhouse? I feel like Dollhouse was right in between those early ones that you referenced and then the more recent movies. And I well, really I never bothered I, with it, but it didn't yeah. really go. I, I, again, I'm not really one to watch a lot of TV shows. So yeah. that one came at a time where I was just, you. I don't know if you could have paid me to watch television at that time when it was around. Nevertheless, Whedon kind of reminds me of a Kevin Smith type Hollywood person. He is, I think, a stronger writer than he is a director. I don't get a strong visual sense or kind of an auteur style from him than I do other directors. But then again, you could say that with most directors these days. Nevertheless, he writes a little bit better. So as far as what style we're going to get, I'm, I'm ambivalent 
and agnostic on it because I don't think it'll matter that much. So what do I think about it? Kind of cross my fingers, hopes it works out. I mean, DC's had a couple whiffs and let's see if he can change the direction there. Yeah, they're, they're about one for three in my book. I mean, I know you don't care about the visual side. I'm just getting tired of the Zack Snyder visual. Mm-hmm. All right, you know, it's fun, but like I don't need every movie to look like that. Mm-hmm. Also, there is a third option for Joss Whedon. What's that? There is the alien resurrection Joss Whedon. <laughs> he is- did write that even though he acknowledges it is absolute turd. Right, that's true. <laughs> I think I think he says like he wrote it in a weekend because he needed the paycheck, basically. Oh, Which is, again, good enough for me. No, I mean, yeah, it's I, good It's good motivation for him to do it. It's just he acknowledges it is not good work. Now, I'll say this in just response to Tracy. If everyone does die in this movie, I will give him a pass. I know you will. <laughs> I will absolutely you give him a pass. I love that shit. That was the redeeming crap. factor for Dude for Rogue One was that everyone died. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he didn't write that. No, no, no. I'm just saying in general, though. I hate this movie, but everyone died. So actually, four stars. It's cool. <laughs> yeah. So we, we'll see as as this develops. Maybe a script will leak or something like that. But I just, his, his like, snippy, look at me, I'm funny, wit dialogue. Look how funny I am. I write girls really good. Look at me. It makes me want to, like, punch solid objects. That's that's basically how I feel about some of his dialogue. Now I'm really hoping he writes it like that, just to watch you punch <laughs> solid objects and break your fucking hands. Oh, I'll probably do that. He'll show up with his hands, like, wrapped I and held, like Doctor like... Strange being held in, like... <laughs> I will look like the dude from Life, where it's just, like, my hand looks like an octopus. That's nice. really all it's <laughs> Did you see that yet? It just like this I hand haven't. comes out. It's like it's an octopus. I'm not spoiling anything because we all saw it in the trailer. That's, but when yeah, you that's see true. It, it's yeah. Like, oh. yeah. Oh, yeah. So Peter David. There's a fairly involved story here. The short answer is Peter David has gotten himself in trouble with the IRS due to a number of years of a number of problems, mostly stemming from the fact that his wife took a bunch of money in to, to divorce him. Damn. He has gone out on GoFundMe. He needs to raise $88,000 to pay off the IRS because turns out the IRS is a lot like the mob and they want their goddamn money. Yeah, unfortunately, they don't kneecap you, which would probably would have been merciful in this case. Yeah, this is just one of those situations that you never want anyone that you know or know of to be in. Especially if you're tangentially related to them. Because yeah, they're coming after you too, let's be honest. You know, as, as a podcast who is a big comic book reader, you know, Peter David has written a lot of stuff I know that I personally have read and enjoyed. So, you know, I gave a little bit to go out and help him out. If it's something you like and you like his work or fan of comics, and you got a few bucks spare, throw him his way, help him out. Also, it would be nice, you know, maybe he can start getting the Nicolas Cage treatment and he just has to do every single project that ever comes along so he can until he finally pays him off. Just keep going, Peter. <laughs> I, you know, I, I think one of the best things he ever did, though, was not just X Factor, but the fact that in the beginning of each issue, there is a, you know, what happened last time. Mm-hmm. And the first paragraph is what happened in the book last time. And then the second paragraph is what is going on in Peter David's life. Now, for a while after he had a stroke, it was really sad because it was like health updates. And you're like, oh, God, is Peter David going to be OK? But before that, it was like, I have to take my daughter to college. And the Mets suck. There were several months in a row where it was just like he was really depressed about the fucking Mets. Well, we should point out we've met Peter David in person. What in two thousand eight? I think two thousand and eight. I and okay, I have met I have met him a couple times subsequent to that. I do remember we were talking about like the overuse of the word awesome. Oh my god! And of course he uses the Mets as the cutoff point. He goes, listen, can't keep using awesome for everything. All right, the Mets just won a 19-inning game last night. That's awesome. Pizza, that's not awesome. And then he talked about how he was going to do a an issue of, I guess it was X-Factor. I forgot what he was 
what he was working on at the time. Yeah, it was X Factor. Like one he of the characters had to take a shot every time the word awesome was used, and he was going to make sure they were blitz drunk by the end of the episode. Yeah, he, want, he wanted to have a bet between Guido and Madrox, and that Mad, but like halfway through the issue, Madrox was already blackout drunk from the. the Did he miss ever deliver w- on that? He didn't. There was a point talking to our friends Chris and Jezza. They thought he was gonna going to. There was like an issue, like part of the way through. Chris was convinced that this was it, and it just it uh-huh. wasn't. But I yeah, I would Never love to see that. Yeah, I would love to still yeah, see that. It, that was one of the funniest things I've ever heard in terms of a plot idea. Yeah, do that. I'll be fine with that. It's a good one shot is what that would be. Yes, absolutely. So, Ghost in the Shell. So, so what did you guys think? I have flip-flopped on this movie multiple times in discussing how it's going to pan out. I remember talking with my friend Rich about it, who's who's kind of likes to predict where films are going to go and how audiences are going to react to them. And we had this huge like argument. Ghost in the Shell is, is an IP that's been around. It has a cult following, but it's different enough that it won't be something audiences like recognize and be tired of, and they'll, they'll be into it. It'll be something new. And Scarlett Johansson had just finished Lucy, and it was like, oh, this is going to be cool. And then I like watched Ghost in the Shell, and I was like, this might really suck. And, you're, and when you say you, just, you watched Ghost, you're talking about the original. The original, the 1995. I have not read the mangas, but I read the 1995 film. And I went, I don't know if American audiences are going to go for this. We're not going to talk too much about the anime, but I didn't think it had much in the way of a payoff. And then when trailers and featurettes were coming out about the new one, I was like, wait, they're going in a little bit of a different direction here. This might be pretty cool. And then when it came out, I watched it. And I went, nope, still kind of sucked. <laughs> and that's basically how, in a nutshell, I felt about it. We can go into details later, but basically I walked sure. out going, well, that was just as underwhelming as the anime. For different reasons, it was still underwhelming. Tracy, what about you? I agree that the story was underwhelming. I thought that it was a gorgeous movie. Beautiful lead up, interesting world, side character development was fantastic. It was brought down by a boring and predictable plot. If we talked more about it. It was one of the most basic pedestrian plots you could possibly have just grafted into this film like you just basically said here's the plot we've all seen this a thousand times and let's take the skin of ghost in the shell and a couple of the iconic moments and just just like shellac it over we'll make a movie so i thought i thought the movie was kind of cool i mean the plot's severely lacking i think they would have been fine had they not tried to go all psychological sciencey on it you know like if they had just said all right here's the action plot here's a woman who's jammed into the robot Mm -hmm. whatnot like if they had just been real straightforward with it i I think it would have done better spent less time worrying about her dreams and glitches and memories you mean yeah I mean, i'm not sure what you mean they really they try to delve into like what is the ghost what is her what is not that kind of stuff mm-hmm. and i yeah. think if they had just kind of skipped over that part and just cool science fiction plot i think they would have been fine it wouldn't be anything special but i think we'd enjoy it more than we enjoyed this See, I think I see what you're saying now. They tried to split the baby in half, and it didn't work. Is that what, kind of what you're saying? Like, if they just went hardcore action, you would have been fine with it, rather than mixing in the sci-fi elements? Well, it's not the sci-fi. It's like the pseudoscience and the, the metaphysical yeah. kind of stuff. Because they, they, tried... they did that very poorly. They tried for a yeah. lot of higher themes, I thought, but they were half-hearted attempts. Yeah, um, and I think I'm going to have to explain that, because I know what you guys are picking up on. And basically what happened here, and I really don't want to get into a comparison with the the 1995 sure. anime. But So the 1995 anime plays on that a lot heavier. The anime is less an action film about someone who has been wronged by the people who she's supposed to be being taken care of. That's basically what this plot is, right? Sure. The 1995 film is more of an, an, a detective story 
story, trying to track someone down, it's loaded with all the metaphysics. And that was really what the first ghost movie I took away from was it just it asked a bunch of questions it refused to answer and you were kind of left just holding the bag. And that was, I thought, in my mind, one of the more weak the weak points of that film. In this one, again, the plot is entirely different. Basically, you have Scarlett Johansson is this character called the Major, and we're led to believe that she is the victim of a terrorist assault, her body was destroyed, and this company funded by the government puts her brain in a robot. And that, and they just kind of leave it there. And it's way more explored in the original, in the 19, in the 95 film, and kind of left as a, here, just take this because we're going to go a different direction and make it about corruption, stolen identity, and stuff like family and, and loyalty and stuff like that. Like very just basic American action themes rather than the Eastern themes of self and sentience and consciousness and reality, which is what mm -hmm. the 95 film was sure. about. This film had nothing to do with that. And I, what you two are talking about is they're borrowing little like stitches of it, but just enough to patchwork to the next action scene. Yeah, right. and it just <clears throat> leave that out. Yeah, again, you're right. And that calling it Ghost in the Shell is weird for fans of the film or to people who know it. It's like, okay, it's called Ghost in the Shell, but this is nothing like that film. The metaphysical stuff, like I'm fine with a movie that explores that kind of stuff. This right. just half-assed it. Yeah, it absolutely did. If they had gone with just a pure action film instead of trying to half-ass metaphysics mm -hmm. sure i can get behind that like I said, it's not going to be anything particularly memorable but i think it, it would have been more enjoyable than this i thought fun i thought it was cool but you guys missed the mark the audience is left holding the bag like the 95 film just with a different bag and part of the problem is that ghost in 1995 again people really loved it so i don't want to knock it too hard it just didn't deliver for me uh did so much for american films that came later matrix ai irobot borrow a lot of these visual cues from Ghost. So by the time the actual remake of Ghost comes around, most people in the audience who are action savvy, sci-fi savvy, anime savvy are basically going, well, we've seen this. All right. you've mm -hmm. done is take what Ghost did and neuter it and give us neutered Ghost or yeah. like an Americanized Matrix with the Ghost in the, in the, in the shell skin. Yep. Don't get me wrong, body suit. I loved it, right? And Tracy's right. I was stunned how beautiful the film looked. Again, but we've seen Matrix. We've seen the Avatar Last Airbender. We've seen... Or oh, Avatar uh, itself, which borrowed yeah. themes. Yeah. I played Deus Ex, which is mm -hmm. super heavily pulled on this. Mm -hmm. and Although honestly, now I want to go play Deus Ex again. <laughs> it's funny how movies make you feel that way. That was the reason why I walked out of the Avatar, the Cameron Avatar. Because I <laughs> yeah, was I like, like, my God, if these were real space marines, they would have just leveled that tree already. I'm going to go play Dawn of War 2. I'll see you guys later. And I just left the theater. That's exactly how, that's how my brain worked. Ooh, After wait. about 10 hours of Dawn of War, I got a phone call where you were just ranting somewhat incoherently about how you hated Avatar and you went home and played Dawn of War for, I don't know how many hours straight at this point. Well, it was right over the Christmas break. So I've dumped maybe 40 hours over the course of three days into that game. Right, but right. I think I think you called me sometime after like the twelve hour mark, ten to twelve hour Probably. mark, just yeah. ranting incoherently. Yeah, I do that. It made sense to me at the time. So I gotta say, the very opening sequence of this movie, the first thing, and you guys may have seen some detail that I missed, but the first thing is them showing this brain locked in a cage, like the bars going around it, and then sliding it directly into a robot mm -hmm. head. 
like open mm-hmm. skull and then closing it up mm-hmm. i saw no spinal fluid anywhere it's in this cage thing that's supposed to i guess suspend it and i'm looking at it and going the first time that robot takes a step that brain is going to crash into the wall of the skull hemorrhage and the whole thing is going to die being, she's being put together underwater or in some sort of liquid so all okay, that is done so... in like a zero a, a, a simulated zero i mean that opening sequence is famous westworld steals heavily from that yeah i, could t- I, yeah, was, I was thinking about that, that. I was like yeah, I mean, yeah. like, and that's the thing is, like, I thought about Tracy while watching this movie because I think if you kind of like Westworld, you will really be interested in the original Ghost. If you like Westworld and you were interested in this Ghost, you are massively disappointed walking out of 2017 Ghost. Just as far as the physics, Andrew's right. The pseudoscience stuff, you just kind of have to roll with. Yeah, well, you just, yeah. You just you have, have to do. roll with that punch. Like, Tracy's probably right, but you those, those things you just have to go with. I think it's just better focusing on your, your character development and what the themes and the message of the film were. And Andrew pointed out, well, they were half-assed themes and messages. Mm-hmm. I literally to... have that in here. I have, there like, was no clear message. Given no. the storyline was so lackluster, I would have expected there to be some, a strong message of some kind instead. Instead of there were several morals of the story that were all sort of ambiguous. Exact, exact same no, yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And it, basically what we're left with is the idea is that really you were abducted and turned into this weapon. We saw Hardcore Henry two years ago do this. We've seen Hitman where all of a sudden the organization turns on you. We saw John Wick do that we've seen variations so much this is just your basic bitch american action story yeah and i think it's fair for the fans people who really loved the source really were like come on that's not that was not what we fell in love with now i am really curious at this point to go back and read the original manga and i'll be fair i have not read the original manga i'm just saying that that this has made me curious to go and do that sure i mean i'd recommend the original the 95 film i absolutely recommend watching it i i just felt like it it, again it left you like holding a bag of treats that you were like i don't know what do i do with this (laughs) that's really it Let's get into one detail about this film that got me. Spoiler, right? The whole basic plot is she was a bohemian kidnapped by a evil corporation. Again, when have we seen this before? There's an interesting Backed and novel concept. Back by the government. This was the plot of Logan, kids. Like, we saw this already. <laughs> we learned that her whole identity was stolen. She was turned into a weapon. And then when she learns this, what does she do at the end of the film? Go back to being a cop. It completely betrays what we're. I thought we were supposed to feel about this, girls. And this gives the people who were complaining about the whitewashing a little more credence. Because in the movie, she's literally whitewashed. She's an Asian girl living in the lawless land. Mm-hmm. Brain gets taken out of the head, put in a robot, put in Scarlett Johansson's body. Again... I wouldn't complain, but some some are. She learns in her earlier self was this anti-technology, again, very Western-ish, anti-tech, uh, technophobic person. And she learns all of this and goes, you know what? I'm going to go back to being a cop. I'm going to go back to being a robot cop. I'm just going to go keep doing that. And that's the end of the movie. Like, what the hell? What's Well, because what? the government turned out to be the, or at least her mentor in the government turned out to be an okay guy. He was okay. Uh, yeah, he was okay. Well, but I mean, beat so, Takashi, so... we did get some serious beat Takashi moments. Since you've touched on this a little bit, I want to talk about the elephant in the room. Can we talk about the Bitakashi moments, though, real quick? Because they were awesome. I was just a supporting cast. I thought the supporting cast was fine. The guy who plays Batu, he, we, we've seen him in Game of Thrones. He's Euron Greyjoy, and we saw him in Ben-Hur. He was Pontius Pilate. Thought he actually did a good job, but I think the real star is Takashi Kitano, beat Takashi, who we've seen from movies such as Zadoichi, Bad Cop, we've seen him in Battle Royale, we've seen him in a bunch of fireworks, I mean, really great classics, where he's always a cop and he's the tough guy. He was fantastic in this, and if you go back and watch 
his facial tick on the right side. That's kind of his trademark. He came out with the revolver and they tried to assassinate him. He kills them all. That was just a classic, brutal, beat Takashi Japanese moment that I don't think American audiences will fully appreciate. I appreciate it as a fan of his and a fan of his movies seeing him just go buck wild knocking these dudes out and then if you watch carefully that face starts to move as you know he's that one guy's like laying on the ground and he walks up to him watch his face it starts to bend it starts to twitch inward that's his like classic look and i'm glad they let him they really focused on it because it was like seeing franco nero and Django. I was like yes that's what we need we needed that yeah i was gonna say there's also chin han who is really become like the stereotypical Asian actor in American films. He right, was, not he much was of in... a career, but he is pretty good in Marco Polo. I mean, he's had a, had a bunch of character films. This is just, this is the side cop character? Yeah. I thought it was Jackie Chan for a minute. No, <laughs> again, Chin, I thought it was Chin Andy Lau for a sec, and I was like, no, wait, well, that's the dude from Marco Polo. I mean, he was in Captain America, he was in Dark Knight, he was in uh, Independence Day Resurgence, mm-hmm. just looking at a bunch of his stuff, he's an arrow for a while he just seems to be like the chinese actor that american directors call on right now right i mean i i enjoy him but it's just like oh yeah that guy again all right tracy what did you have for us the elephant in the room per se the controversy that surrounded this movie it's a japanese manga it's it was a japanese animated film in 95 and now we've got the main character and several of the supporting characters being played by americans just americans danes and foreigners. So okay. Batu well, is played people. by a Dane, and Juliette not... Binoche, I don't think, is American. That's true. She did. She had an accent, um, but definitely not Japanese. So I went into it, and I had heard about the controversy. Of course, we've talked about it here on There for a Geek before. Juliette but... Binoche is French. So yeah, she's French. Even going in with not a whole lot of background on the controversy, just knowing that it existed, I was already put off by the casting. I expected to see a Japanese person in that role. You could feel it. You could tell it. The the thing that pushed this a little bit further was the fact that in some of the scenes you could tell that Scarlett Johansson's makeup had been done to make her look more Asian. It was sort of interspersed throughout the film but you could tell that they were probably all shot pretty quickly i'm assuming at the beginning and then later on they said oh we should tone that down a little bit so she became she looked a little bit more like herself did you guys notice that at all i did notice it especially when she was with her mom Mm -hmm. you're like the the asian mother you're like they're kind of trying to make her look more asian here with the eyeliner so here's the thing like i said early on i was a staunch defender of the cast i thought this was fine there's there's no problem with this when you remake a foreign film you should in another country, you should have people who look like the people in the country you're putting the movie in, right? True Lies mm-hmm. was originally a French film. We're not going to get French actors to do the Cameron True Lies, right? We're not yep. We're not doing that. That's so, a good point. Uh, here's my problem with this. The movie shot itself in the dick when Scarlett Johansson's character in the film is literally Asian and they put her in a white person's body. Or the setting of the film is so ambiguous in the manga and, and in the movie, the 95 movie, it's this made-up fictional Japanese city, right? It's a Japanese Gotham. Okay. okay that's what it is. Had they set it in New York or L.A. or future Detroit and just Americanized it full force and just kept the same themes, I don't think it would have you would have had less of a leg to stand on there because it's like remaking the Magnificent Seven or the the Seven Samurai. If you remake the Seven Samurai as a samurai film with a bunch of white dudes, then it looks weird. Remake Seven Samurai as a Western with a bunch of people from the American West, that works. 
you've, yes. you've changed, right? In this one, they, again, the kind of the running theme of the movie, even though it didn't attend it, was the only one that was obvious was that it was half-assed. So <laughs> here we have this fictional Japanese or Chinese, uh, really, I, you know, I don't know calligraphy, so I don't know if the writing was Japanese or not. I'm just yeah. sorry. But like those graveyards at the end of the movie, those are Hong Kong graveyards. That's the way Hong Kong does their graveyards. So mm. I didn't know if it was Tokyo, Hong Kong, or again, Newport City, which was what in the canon, Japanese Gotham. And then you've got this idea of, it's a very much of like these different ethnicities and then these different ethnicities. And then apparently there's a bunch of refugees trying to get there. So we've got this multicultural thing. Again, it was this half-assed thing, which gave people more fodder to shit all over this film. So the movie did itself no favors again at its core because the Scarlett Johansson character, who that teenage character was the name of the character from the 99 film or the 95 film. And then they change her name to like Killian or something. They literally take the Asian brain out and put it in a white robot body. And I can just imagine the SJWs like just standing up and they're going, <laughs> I told you, look at that right there. <laughs> In that field, it did itself no favors. And Variety did an article on it about, you know, is this the end of Hollywood whitewashing? Or I get what they're trying to go with it. I think they're missing the point. But because, again, no one gets the point of the Great Wall. That was not the point to whitewashing. But, yeah, that was it did itself no favors in that realm. Yeah, I mean, I just kind of don't care. Sure. <laughs> I don't care enough about I mean, I love movies. Don't get me wrong. But, like, I'm not so obsessed with movies and casting that I'm going to lose my mind over someone who is or is not cast. Mm -hmm. And I guess for me, I, I'm going to judge really it on really the merits weird. of of the performance yeah i just thought the makeup was weird like trying to make her look oh no sure i mean like the decision the decisions they made within the film were dumb mm -hmm. if you're not gonna care then don't care if you're gonna right. again don't half-ass it stop half-assing <laughs> i like all of my ass all the right. ass yeah, especially scarlett johansson Full we got a nice ass Scarlet. shot right at the end. I was like, I was wondering if we were going to get that. Sure enough, she's walking yeah. away. Yep. We got a couple when she beat that dude's ass in the shallow pond. Like, and she's like stomping off all angry. Oh, I must have missed that. How did I that miss was good. that? I don't know. That was, yeah. No, I, I look, I liked her in this. Again, I, I'll defend Scarlett Johansson to the mat on this. One. I think she did good with what they gave her. But I think I think y'all are right. This movie just could not commit to doing anything all the way. Yeah. And that's where it just, and it suffered for it. I mean, look at the box office numbers. 19 million? Yeah, 19 million. Did, did half as good as Power Rangers. 40 million international. Right, but it hasn't opened in Japan and China yet. It so hasn't. We'll and Beauty happens. and the Beast did 47 and a half million. Right. The same right. weekend. That opened but, three weeks ago. And the idea was DreamWorks was trying to go for another Lucy with this. Lucy opened with 40 million to three years ago yeah no so this is super underperforming yeah for 110 million mm, this is going to be sketchy on how it does whether or not it's going to make its money back right part of the reason why they set it up the way they did with her going back to being a cop was i guess they wanted another one because again everyone wants a franchise yeah and who the hell knows what they were going to do with that. But the Variety article that I glanced through earlier was trying to make the case that, that the kind of pushback to Scarlett's casting is what caused the, the, the bad box office numbers. I'm not so sure that's the case. Mm -mm. Uh, I just don't think... Here's the truth of the matter. As, as popular as anime and manga is, when you put it in a major motion picture for the general American public, these type of movies just don't do so well. They just didn't do a very good job on the movie. Just out of curiosity, I was like, oh, I wonder how the, like, the critical reviews coming out. It was like 44% on Rotten Tomatoes when I bought my tickets Thursday afternoon. Yeah, it's funny. Thursday afternoon? Holy shit. Wow. Like, that's... I was 
just checking that before we got started. I completely forgot to look at it. Yeah, like 40, yeah you're right. 44%. That's not right. a good review. No. When people say, oh, I want to go see this, and they look at the review, they go, oh, maybe not. Yeah. It's really too bad because overall, I went in with no expectations at all. I didn't know a whole lot about the original. I knew that there was a little bit of controversy, and I knew we were, it was you know roughly sci-fi based. So... I went in with very little expectation. The, the setup, the world was so beautiful, really, mm -hmm. really beautiful. Gave me sort of Blade Runner-esque, sort mm -hmm. of Fifth Element-esque ideas, mm -hmm. but prettier, you know, really, really beautiful. Not this sort of post-apocalyptic world. The bonsai tree, like just, just the details, the, the supporting cast. I was like, okay, first act and halfway into the second, I'm like, there's going to be a twist. And then there was no fucking twist. And well, was there was, like, but it's just everyone saw it coming a mile away. Oh, I guess. Yeah. Right, yeah, yeah, the right. twist exists. We just, we all knew what it was. We were just, <laughs> it was a question of when exactly they were going to twist, quote unquote. Yeah. yeah. And none of the bad guys were like really well set up at all. And that's a problem the 95 film has also. <laughs> I mean, that's just, that's the thing is that this film tried to give us a bad guy. And it was like, oh, the evil corporation. Great. We get another Lex Luthor. Stunning. That's what we're left with. Yeah. So, so, so I, the political themes that I saw were um, child exploitation the future of technology the idea of civil non-compliance sort of i guess maybe and yeah. the idea of consent they tried to like really shoehorn consent into there and i was just like yeah that was that was what? new that was and very weird. awkward very very weird i think tracy the word you were looking for when you kind of called it sort of sci-fi the word you're actually looking for is cyberpunk um <laughs> a word no no no, really, no, no yeah a word that, that doesn't really mean much so like we've got steampunk and it's a little more well-defined and then we've got cyberpunk and i think the reason why tracy's having a hard time with is no one really knows what the hell it means the general public certainly does i think the general public doesn't know i think there is a relative definition for cyberpunk i just i'm not into it enough to care yeah i've tried to pull it out of a few people basically it's internet interface with man and machine and then brain in web that's kind of where you get those are the loose i mean it's good i mean go read neuromancer the best i could huh mm, so go okay. read neuromancer i mean that's that yeah. is that is the definitive book of cyberpunk right. and then you see that you see it in ghost you see it in matrix you see it in board like netrunner hackers to some extent swordfish but it's missing the jacking in stuff i do um, i like the idea of and i think it's it's more slightly more likely that that's the future of technology that people will be mm -hmm. able to access a world either access a world and run their avatars in a virtual reality or else be able to plug their consciousness not not their brain in a robot be, but be able to have actual physical avatars that leave their house and do the things that we normally do. They can look the way they want. They can act the way they want. They are completely customizable. I think that's probably surrogates. Yeah. Exactly. That's the idea that I think is the most likely future, as opposed to having robots that do our bidding. More that we're controlling them. Cybernetic. And that's the, yeah, and that's kind of yeah. the problem with this film. Is the whole concept of the ghost in the shell is not really looked at. Yeah. At all. Like it's I think just, they, they, the doctor spells it out at one point, but her explanation is so blasé that I think you ro yeah. roll right past it and don't know. You, yeah, you, you and it's like if you're not prepared for it, you don't hear it. It's so full of sci-fi jargon mm -hmm. that you just you forget it after you hear it. Yeah, mm -hmm. you know, it's almost like that Star Wars techno babble. Like you, you start hitting the trans, the, the quantum trans transconducers are fluctuating, and you're like, oh, okay, yeah, that's what happens. <laughs> That happens. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, of course they fluctuate. The dilithium Bypass crystals, Captain. The, the dilithium crystals. I just bypassed the capacitor. Yeah, of course. I bypass my capacitor all the time. It works. <laughs> my car starts every time I bypass the capacitor. <laughs> Is it transistor powered, though? Sure. <laughs> Stop on the side of the road. Cops like, what happened to the car? He's like, oh, it won't start. He's like, did you bypass the capacitor? Oh, why did I think of that? <laughs> Who needs AAA? I just bypassed the capacitor. 
I'm picturing Barney Fife saying that. Yeah. <laughs> and it's kind of like what you got with this movie. It was like, oh, we're just gonna, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna do a deep dive. Okay. Yeah, deep dive. Yeah, absolutely. That's why I, right. every night before I go to sleep, I turn on the computer. I do a deep dive. <laughs> That's what I do. Try and find the end of the internet. I have one other complaint. This was about my movie going experience. Dude next to me just kept taking out his phone. Oh my god. Almost punched him in the head. Yeah. Although at the end of the film, he actually nodded off for a moment and sort of <laughs> started snoring. And his buddy and I just kind of look at him and just start laughing. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing was a family sitting in front of me. I think the oldest was probably about 12 or 13. The youngest was probably maybe seven. So it looked like it was grandpa, mom, and three kids. Mm. And grandpa and the kid on the other end are trying to have a conversation repeatedly through the movie. So they're yelling over three other people. Wow. Someone almost got their skull caved in. Yeah. <laughs> And, and like I said, they brought a seven-year-old. It was like, I was actually expecting someone to run out of there like in tears. The Alien Covenant trailer almost did it in, in the beginning. I almost got my wish to start. Oh, yeah. I mean, one of the few times the Alien Covenant trailer will actually do something we can support. Right. You just hear the kid, that wasn't real. That wasn't real, right? <laughs> I was like... <laughs> Part of me just want to be like, oh no, oh no, like, kid. Man, it's a damn shame what happened to those poor people. I can't wait That's to see that documentary. Documentary. <laughs> yeah. But then, like, is it the guy who kept pulling out his phone, he and his buddy started talking at the beginning of the movie, and I was like, oh my god, I'm going, I'm going to kill people. Thankfully, like that stopped in about two minutes into the movie, they they stopped talking. But uh, the effects of the bodysuit. I I hope. I will say this to Tracy's point. I know Tracy didn't bring it up. I was curious what she thought because it was another one of those elements of the movie that got glossed over: the mind hacking and the memories, like that that truck driver who they just got taken over. Yeah, they didn't do any. And those were the things that sort of made me believe that there was something big coming that was going to be like really revolutionary. It was going to be an Inception-like moment. Mm -hmm. And I was just, I was excited for it. I was I was waiting to, when she delved into the geisha's hacked mem or non-encrypted or whatever mm -hmm. memories and, and looked into that. I was like, cool, I'm, I'm waiting for something like The Matrix where there's like layers of understanding and comprehension and this world isn't real or or something else is going on. And no, it was just so mm. cliche. Yeah. I was very sad. But maybe somebody else can come along and, and do something better with it. Who knows? In like 10 or 15 years. Or just go back and watch the 95 film. Just just do that. Yeah. I will say my, my theater going experience wasn't so bad. We did have like a bunch of kids next to us and I was like, how hard of a PG-13 is this going to be? And it turned out not to be. Yeah, it was pretty soft. Yeah. Really soft. So I was like, all right, they lucked out. But yeah, we saw the Alien Covenant trailer in front and it was like, fuck that franchise, dude. I'm sorry. Saw that one. Saw Baby Driver, which I thought was it Baby Driver or just Baby? Nope, Baby Driver. Weird, okay. I know. Um, it's a fucking really stupid title. <laughs> the stupid title in the movie looks like shit. Oh, see, I think it looks really good. I'm, I I'm just, I'm I tired, like I'm tired of the like, oh, we're just going to drive cars really fast through the whole movie. Like, it's like the fucking Fast and Furious franchise. We're on the eighth fucking film of that. Dude, I stopped caring after the, I stopped caring mind. after the second. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Was that Tokyo Drift? No, that was the third one, which is why I stopped oh. caring. Yeah, Tokyo Tokyo Drift was a special kind of dumb. They've that all been a special kind of dumb. The <laughs> they are. They are. Yeah, they are. Actually, I walked into the The theater next one has a fucking Russian crazy. submarine in it. <laughs> I know. Jesus Christ. I didn't think we could get dumber than the last one. What's weirder, the Russian submarine or Kurt Russell or Charlie Theron's hair? I walked into the theater as that was playing because I was a little late. And all I had to do was hear maybe a sentence. And I was like, oh, this is the Fast and the Furious trailer. And I walk up. Sure enough, that's exactly what it was. Um, but I liked the look of Baby Driver. And there was some medieval Arthur, the legend of the sword. That looked dumb as... It looks oh. like it's going to be really dumb in plot. 
but I really like the visuals, so I probably well, get it. It's, it's, it's Guy Ritchie. Guy Ritchie, yeah. It's the guy who did the Sherlock movies. Yeah, it's Guy Ritchie. So, yeah, it'll be fun to watch, but it looks former. Ex, yeah, ex-husband. Yeah. I see. That, yeah. King Arthur one just looks dumb. See, I, I wouldn't mind like a, a King Arthur film kind of like that, but Guy Ritchie's not the person to direct it. Right. I think Andrew's right. Guy Ritchie's not the guy for I mean, we tried Arthur, what, 10 years ago with like Anton Fuqua or Fuku with Clive Owen as Arthur. Something remember like that. that. No, exactly. No it's one remembers. It's so unmemorable that I can't remember. It's not memorable. We tried it. Well, like, they, they tried to like, instead of doing like the standard Arthurian actual like legend, mm -hmm. they tried to like make it serious. And history-ish. Yeah. And they, they That's just... not a good idea. No. No, it wasn't. Which is why it was a bad story, movie. That, the Terrible. things that make that story interesting are not historical at all. As far anyway. as Baby Driver is concerned, I see where Andrew's coming from, but I think I'm going to, I agree with Tracy. The only thing I will say is the reason why I'm a little more optimistic is I will put my faith in Edgar Wright. That's at least fair. I, I will grant it you that. It struck me more like a Kingsman, where that was kind of a sleeper. I went into it, eh, whatever. I'm on a plane. I guess I'll watch this. Holy shit, this is awesome. Yeah, no, I see I see where we're both coming from. I think I think your both points are valid. I, I'm just going to try and just put my faith in Edgar, see what happens. Yeah, that, that's a fair point. I did like Driver, the, the one with Gosling. I did like that. I don't think I saw that one. Very different in style and tone. But I like Ryan Gosling, so what, what can I do? All right, let's talk with Dude. Dude, what have you been into? I've been trying to read Infinity Gauntlet. I got like maybe a sixth of the way through. And I didn't pick it up since last time I talked to you about it. That was interesting. I finished Ken Burns' Civil War the other day. Ooh. I saw it years ago when I was a kid. So I finished it again. It took me about a couple weeks to finally finish them all because it's like, you know, nine parts and each one of them is about an hour and change. Were you surprised by the end? You know, it's funny. The end was the part that I remember the most <laughs> when I saw the first. And it's that thing that I love that movies do when people go through like a big adventure where you just go like, this person went on to have this career and then died. This, this. They do that for everyone for the war, right? Like that happened at the end of the Wonder Years. It was the end of like a couple of those like what, Sandlot. Stand By Me or Sandlot. Yeah. All those movies do that. I don't know what it is about me, but I get like a cinema boner for the for movies that end like that. <laughs> I okay. really do. When you do the ending of like, you know, Catherine went on to marry a millionaire and then stabbed him to death in his bathtub when she called him <laughs> cheating on her with like three Asian lady, like Thai lady boys doing blow. Like, I love endings like that. So like they do it for all the veterans or the people they've been following through the documentary. Specifically, the two that are, to me, were always the most interesting were Elijah Hunt Rhodes and Sam Watkins. So Elijah Hunt Rhodes joined the Union Army from the beginning and fought all four years in the war in the Army of the Potomac. So he was at Chancellor's uh, most, of the, most of the major battles, yeah. Yeah, he was there for all of them and went from private to colonel over the course of the war. And they followed Sam Watkins, who fought in the Army of Tennessee and was on a lot of the receiving end of, at first, Grant's early campaigns and then Sherman's. Then they go through, like, Chamberlain and all these. And I just... Uh, th yeah. The ending is always my favorite part because then when it's over, you felt like you fought the freaking war with them. It's like, whoa, it's over. It's like you're like Sam Frodo and the, and Mary and Pippin, like with the beer at the table, going, "It's over, right?" <laughs> you know, it's it's really something. <laughs> and I picked up a bunch of board games. Or Wait, one board game, what? You told us last time that you were out of room. No, no, no. Like that was the last. Well, I picked them up, but I finally got around to playing some of them. Oh, okay. Right. And the rule is, I'm not buying new board games, but I will buy expansions. <laughs> How I get around that. And we finally tried out Doom board game. That wasn't mine. We tried out Warhammer Quest, which is now out of print. And we tried Fields of Despair, the World War One game. All of them, we were like, we were trying them out. So we haven't like mastered them, but we're all like, oh, these have promises. These have lots of lots of promises. So oh, it works. I'm excited. I'm excited. Andrew, you might really like Fields of Despair. 
I thought I you were going to say that. I think you're going to really like it. Yeah. Because you've watched that like big 15 part World War One thing, right? Oh yeah. A couple times. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you've gone through that at least. You went through it at least twice when I was living with you. Yep. So you, only, I think you only like only it. only good thing I got from that ex girlfriend. <laughs> yeah. Tracy, what about you? So I've been very busy with work, but somehow I've shoehorned in a whole lot of media. So I flew to Vermont last Tuesday, and on the when I was in the airport, I had a book, but I bought another one anyways. And so I, when I was in Hudson, I was actually looking for something by Eric Larson. He does a lot of thriller history stuff. And he did he wrote, he wrote The Devil in the White City and some other ones. So I was looking for something by him, couldn't find it. But they did have a paperback copy of American Gods by Neil Gaiman. And Andrew's been picking on me to, to read that for like three years. Mikey Mason actually wrote an entire album based on it. He was so inspired. We were then stuck on the runway for almost two hours so i read the entire book that day and it was amazing it was absolutely insanely amazing and so now of course i want to talk about it and it just came out the first episode just aired on stars on thursday night so i actually have access to that so i need to go back and watch that i oh speaking of tv real quick did you have you guys seen brockmeyer they showed the first episode on facebook or, or it's on youtube have you checked this out I watched. I watched about the first ten minutes that you of, of what you had posted on Facebook, and I didn't realize it was like a full episode. I was like, how oh, fucking yeah. long is this goddamn clip? And then I was like, oh, oh it's, like, it's an episode. Oh, okay. It's an episode. Yeah, no, it's it's Hank Azaria doing like a baseball announcer who's been down and out in his luck ten years and comes back to the states after a meltdown in two thousand seven. Yeah. And this is one of those things where, like finally, finally Hank is getting his own show. Yeah. Yeah, I'll take a look at that. I watched four episodes of Iron Fist. I haven't gotten all the way through that. I need to finish that up. Is that I as bad as people are saying it is? It's a little slow. I don't think it's that bad, okay. but it's not. It doesn't feel like any of the other ones, and it takes him forever to like actually start doing anything. But I actually really like all the other stuff. It's kind of corporate-based, and he's trying to get his company back after being declared dead at age 10 and then learning kung fu in the mountains of Tibet or something. Anyways, I don't mind it too much. I also... So what, what's some of the other stuff? I've been reading Infinity Gauntlet. I am like three pages from the very end of that. And mm, then progress I was actually, I know we're going to talk about that in a future podcast, but I actually overall like it so far, unless they're going to like massively shit the bed in the next like four pages. I mean, it's Marvel. What? They could. You never know. Mm-hmm. They could. It's true. They, they absolutely could. <laughs> it's I'm called, it's something... called Civil War. Mm-hmm. <laughs> In one page, it just takes the most epic dump on itself that we ever thought it could. That's a very, very good point, and I should keep that in mind. And then it kept, um, and then we spent the next decade pretending it didn't, trying to pretend it didn't take a dump. <laughs> and then the other thing is, I have a preview copy of a book called Red Water, and that's by a woman whose blog I read and I follow her on Facebook. It's kind of some kind of a lesbian romance, so that's going to be interesting. This will be my first first try in that genre, so. I'm interested to see Trashy what... Trashy lesbian romance Scott, novels. Absolutely. Scott, it's, t- it's time to use... Scott, you're going to have to use the L word. Yep. You ever see Scott Pilgrim? Like, Scott, you're yes. going to have to use the L word. The, the L word, yeah. Lesbian? Yeah, one of the girlfriends, one of the exes was a girl. No, he goes, lesbian? No, Scott, the other L word. Lesbians? <laughs> Lesbians? <laughs> <laughs> oh, just... No, Scott, yeah. it's love. Oh. <laughs> So that's basically what I've been into. So, why? Well, I, I, I actually, no, I read Infinity Gauntlet like last week. Part of the reason we were reading Infinity Gauntlet is because it lined up with, with where I happened to be reading at the time. I've gotten through Infinity Gauntlet, Infinity Gauntlet Aftermath, and I'm now on to Infinity War. All right, I'm starting right now. Here, I'm just going to catch up with you guys. Yeah, go. get, get right the fuck on that. 
Mm-hmm. Wait, so would you say that it's worth going back and reading some of the tie-ins with Silver Surfer and uh, Cloak and Dagger and stuff? I don't know about the Cloak and Dagger. So the Silver Surfer stuff leading up to it is actually, it's a lot of fun. Like, I don't know that I would call it really good, but it's some fun science fiction comic books. I signed up for the Marvel Unlimited and I've got the app so I can literally read whatever I want to. And so I figure I'll take advantage, which by the way, okay. So side note, Marvel unlimited just changed its pricing structure. So it used to be nine ninety nine a month and they just allowed you to do two different. There's a, like an elite package that you can pay for a year at a time. And it's $99. I think they've actually had that for a while. That pricing structure is actually not that new. No, it, it came out about three or four months ago, but still uh, it's, this was, it's older think, than that. Is it really? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, I just realized, it because I'd been paying the monthly and then I switched to the annual and ended up paying like half. Yeah. Which was awesome. So yeah, they've got that. Yeah. The Silver Surfer stuff is, is fun. The, unfortunately the, the, the really good stuff for Silver Surfer, like right before is not available on, on unlimited, like 44 through 51. Oh, but some of the other stuff is still, still pretty good. Okay. Uh, so I've been doing that. I've also been watching Star Wars Rebels. So as Becky's pregnancy has progressed, she is less and less able to do, you know, the general house chores, cleaning up laundry and stuff so i have taken over most of that and she, she is can't now... do her power squat thrusts anymore yeah so Man, now she... can't skip leg day today's leg day for me i can't can't skip leg day those are rookie numbers <laughs> yeah so she is now she's actually editing the podcasts uh, yes. uh so but because of that i have been able while cleaning the living room to watch like a season and a half of rebels in a week nice yeah, and it's it's fun I, I like actually the fact that it starts off we're basically it's this little cell on one planet, and then it slowly expands. Not By the... the way, did you guys did you guys check? Did you see the Rick, the new Rick and Morty? The episode one just like appeared on Saturday. I heard about it. I didn't actually check it out. It was not an April Fool's thing. It was real. Uh, you know, yeah. It was pretty sweet. I, I had heard about it, but I just hadn't had a chance to check it out. So awesome. Yeah, other than that, it's, I think it's mostly just comics and and Star Wars Rebels, and uh, I'm going back through listening to a couple of audiobooks I'd listened to before, just for my own entertainment. Oh, I'm listening to the Thrawn trilogy again because it's really good mm, i, I want to go through that one again it's funny like i remember everyone just like losing their mind when that when disney said no the, the expanded universe isn't going to be canon anymore mm-hmm. i remember that our roommate kyle got really upset about it as, mm-hmm. as upset as i've ever seen kyle which is not very upset let's be honest mm-hmm. uh, but kyle was kind of like upset about it and i was like look it's not like they're requiring you to turn your books in for burning not only that if you go into barnes and noble now disney is still printing those books and now they just have a little label on them that says star wars legends right like to denote what is canon and what is not there there are brand new copies of all these books out there because well, then, disney's not stupid and they realize hey we've got like 150 books that we can still keep selling and they added thrawn to star wars rebels right so yep. and there's a thrawn book coming out i think next week so it's are there fun. little golden books of star wars yet yeah i feel like there should be yes there, there, Your kid there is are several i already have one before oh, before so- we even announced we were having a kid becky's crazy aunt just decided to send us one for some reason okay oh yeah absolutely I, I, I was on the receiving end of this i did magic for this like like at you know housewife this like stay-at-home mom oh i remember hearing about like, this I was, yeah i was like did, i did, was at a bar like up in maryland a couple years ago and i'm doing magic at the bar for the stay-at-home mom she's got like four kids and they're all under the age of eight and every time i did a trick she, that's wonderful like how good that was good for you you worked hard <laughs> on that i was like you really you're talking like- to me like a, she, i was like you're talking to me like a child right he's like i know i can't help it <laughs> like, you sound like linda from bob's burgers <laughs> well, and like, like, 
like yeah. the thing the thing on that one is like at this point she's been doing it for so long she can't even undo it like she doesn't know she's doing it doesn't care can't undo it nothing just yep you are stuck like that yeah so yeah i mean i've been doing a lot of housework but the house is finally getting clean so there you go yeah win 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 i, vac win. I vacuumed the stairs today <laughs> when was the last time you did that uh, I don't know, but I can tell you there were two canisters worth of animal hair on them. I was about them. to ask, like, how many times did you fill that thing up? Twice. <laughs> oh my gosh. Just nice. on the stairs. Yep. It was disgusting. <laughs> also, apparently our, uh, our Roomba got activated on its own somehow. Even better. Because, oh, like, going self-aware. Yeah, right, because Becky, well, it, I mean, self-aware is a, is a questionable statement because it found it, it, it trapped itself in the bathroom. <laughs> Friday afternoon, we're sitting on the I'm sitting on the couch. Becky goes, "Oh, hey, did you find the Roomba? What do you mean find the Roomba?" She's like, "Oh, I didn't I didn't tell you, did I?" I was like, "I don't know. Did you tell me?" Like, <laughs> I I don't know what it, what was I supposed to know? She's like, "Yeah, I came downstairs this morning and I couldn't find the Roomba." I was like, "What do you mean you couldn't find the Roomba?" There was, there was a whole big thing, you know. She she was trying to convince me that the Roomba had wandered off, and I was too lazy to get off the couch and like. So I, I started making her doubt that she had, you know, the Roomba had actually left. Like the Roomba was not on its base. Mm -hmm. I had her like maybe thirty or forty percent convinced that she had just hallucinated it, and the Roomba was sitting on its base. <laughs> wow. And, no, and it turns out the Roomba had just made its way into the bathroom and couldn't get out. Apparently, what I what I assume is that like three in the morning, one of the animals stepped on it and set it off, and I've cleared enough crap from around it that the Roomba is actually now free to roam at least if it gets stepped on by an animal so and on, and on that note all right folks if you like what we do make sure you head over to thereforeageek.com you can check out our blog posts and our podcast uh, you can follow us on facebook instagram and twitter and you can find this podcast and other podcasts like it on itunes soundcloud youtube and stitcher so once again i'm andrew i'm tracy i'm duder and you've been listening to therefore i geek